what is the Sadhguru? What does it mean to be liberated? What does it mean to be self-realized? What does it mean to awaken? There is a lot of misconceptions about even the Sadhguru and what it represents. What is the Sadhguru? Who is the Sadhguru? Is a person the Sadhguru? Someone emailed and said that Gangaji was a Sadhguru. <laughs> and this made me laugh because that's a very dualistic perspective. Gangaji is not the Sadhguru. No teacher is the Sadhguru. No human being is the Sadhguru, right? The Sadhguru is the omniscience of God that is alive in your heart. And the radical teaching of Ramana Maharshi takes you directly into the heart. So you could say there is only one guru, one teacher. And this is the ultimate teacher. The ultimate avatar is God, the Satguru, pure consciousness, omniscience alive in your own heart. So the radical teaching of Ramana takes you directly to the Satguru, to this living eternal omniscience in your own heart through self-inquiry, through the mantra and silence. Those three practices are the practices of letting go. Sadhana means to let go. So what are you letting go of? You're letting go of this deep feeling of me. I am this body. These are my problems. This is my house. This is my wife. This is my children. It's looking deeply at this deep identification with the physical form as your primary identity. Many people who have followed Ramana's teaching for years believe that enlightenment or self-realization, liberation, from the karmic wheel of suffering is instantaneous. That you don't have to do anything to be the Satguru. <laughs> hmm. But no one is the Satguru. No person. It's beyond form. Contained within form, beyond form. To identify with omniscience, or I am the Sadhguru, is no different than identifying with the body. Because there is still a me 
identifying with that, this and that. I am this or I am that. So the Sadhguru is the Turiya state of consciousness. Pure presence in the heart. So you don't become that. This limited mind stream of a human being is never that. But the mind of a human being can recognize that, can discern that, can recognize the omniscience So all of this comes back to this idea of instant enlightenment, effortless realization, liberation from the karmic wheel, just by simply recognizing that you're consciousness. And this is a great lie that's being propagated by many, many teachers in the West. If it were true, then if you wanted to be a doctor, you could just say, I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher without going to school. Become a neurologist and stop start instantly operating on patients' brains, right, without any practice. So to become proficient in anything, requires commitment, focus, attention, practice, perseverance, and resolve. And the deep, deep, unwavering desire to be free, eternally free, from the karmic wheel of suffering. This is essential. A moment of awakening is instantaneous. Instantly, you can turn inward to the source of the feeling me inside your body and recognize directly, radically, instantly that you are pure consciousness beyond the limits of your mind beyond the limitation of your mind or anyone's mind omniscient presence alive free the purest joy the purest happiness the living now here and now this is the essence of the Satguru. But the mind will try to claim the Satguru 
I am that, right? And in the absolute sense, that's true. But in the relative sense, it's never true. You are a grain of sand on the infinite beach that is God. But are you the whole beach? The limited form that you are is the grain of sand. And the omniscience alive in your heart is the vast omniscient beach that is God. But to realize this in a human form is the purpose of human birth. The fundamental purpose of human incarnation is to discover directly, intimately for yourself your eternal nature, which is free of all suffering, free of all problems, free of all pain, free of all disease, free. But it's meaningless to know this, to hear what I'm saying and say, oh yes, 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 I, I know that. I know what the Sakuru is. This cannot be known with the mind. The mind can't comprehend omniscience, the vast presence. alive in your heart. So instantaneous liberation is a fantasy. And those who proclaim instant enlightenment or a moment of awakening as the true and final liberation usually have a huge ego. Huge ego. Because they have not done the work essential for liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering. This must be earned through focus, attention, practice, application of the radical teaching of Ramana Maharshi, which means you have to continuously practice until meditation becomes a constant meditation, not a formal meditation of one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. A formal meditation practice is essential to purify the mind, to learn to quiet the mind. But a one hour, two hour, three hour practice guides you into the deeper practice which is continuous meditation on the source. And this is really what Ramana was talking about, continuous meditation on the source until there is no meditator, 
no one inquiring, no one thinking, no one doing, no one realizing, no one praying, no one singing. And if you intimately examine closely what Ramana said about the practice of self-inquiry, everything was self-inquiry. Every moment, every breath, every practice was a form of inquiry. He felt that breath, pranayama, was essential to calm the mind. This is, there are many different practices of pranayama, but the simple practice of breathing in one nostril and out the other nostril in a kind of V shape, this is what Sri Ama Karunamaya recommends. It quiets the mind, it purifies the mind, it oxygenates the brain, it brings oxygen directly into your brain. You're feeding the brain prana, life force. Air is life force, right? So in a concentrated pranayama practice, you are bringing oxygen into the brain and focusing your attention on this moment. Focusing your attention on what's known as the third eye, right? This is the eye behind the eyes, the seer, right? Who is the seer? Who is the Sakuru? What is that, right? So this continuous meditation evolves with the formal practice. So you have to start with just being still, even if it's for a minute, or five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour. But then that extends and it becomes the effortless practice of now which is what you are. But only you can practice. The teacher can point to the Sakuru, to omniscience. And like I said, knowing this intellectually is meaningless. You can't think meditation. You actually have to sit down and do meditation, right? Pranayama is part of a Vipassana practice, bringing oxygen into the brain, focusing your attention, purifying the mind, developing the ability to discern between what's unreal, which is everything that changes, and what's real. So your emotions change, your thoughts change, your circumstances change. Your body changes. Your environment changes. Where you live changes. Where you go every day is maybe similar, but never exactly the same. It's constant change. 
And if you give your attention to the constantly changing movements of life, emotions, thoughts, you will be on the roller coaster of the karmic wheel of suffering. Happy one minute, sad the next, even sadder the next, depressed, angry, frustrated, at the effect of your circumstances and other people and what they say and what they think. This is the nature of suffering, which is considered normal. But it is not the normal human experience. Suffering is considered normal because so many people suffer. Your true nature is joy, happiness, love, compassion, kindness. This is your true nature. This is the nature of a pure mind, a sattvic mind, a mind focused on the eternal, the changeless. And to develop that skill requires the use of meditation, pranayama, and the mantra. And what is not widely discussed in Western circles that focus on Ramana's teaching is the mantra. The mantra is essential to burn through the deep identification with your body. The feeling me, the sense I am doing this or I am doing that or I want this and I want that or I had this and I lost it. Right? This is the me. And it's very strong because it's genetic. It's the genetics of mind, the genetic mind, that make this very, very challenging. The genetic mind is focused on one thing, pleasure and survival. Those two things are really one thing, pleasure and survival come from ego, desire, attachment, ego, fighting ego. Anyone who pushes against, anyone who judges or condemns, is at the effect of their ego. And that's the majority of people. So to know about the Sakuru does not free you. To know about consciousness does not free you. Knowing the mantra does not free you. Knowing meditation does not free you. What frees you is the actual application of the teaching. If you want to make progress 
towards liberation, which is what I am always pointing to. You must practice. You must earn it with the deep desire to be free in unison with the practices. And the mantra is significant. Ramana did not discount the mantra. He said, for most people, it is essential. There are very rare cases where someone can instantly awaken and have it be a permanent realization. Very rare. It's so rare, I don't even like mentioning it because it creates a false hope that you're going to just click your fingers and your suffering is going to end. The patterns of suffering will vaporize. And it doesn't work that way. You must apply the teachings. And the teaching of Ramana is very simple. Meditation, mantra, silence, sound, and self-inquiry. Self-inquiry annihilates the me. Ramana said it was essential. Eventually you'll come around if you avoid self-inquiry or the question, who am I? Who is doing this? Who is saying this? Who is thinking this? a constant, continuous practice of who is this, who is realizing, I am realizing, who is this me, what is this me. It is the reflective consciousness, the reflective nature of ego, or this sense of me, that is like a mirror that's reflecting your senses. This is why it's so deeply ingrained in your genetics. It's reflective consciousness. So like the moon, a full moon is reflecting the light of the sun. The moon is not the sun. It's reflecting the light of the sun. Ego reflects the light of the self. The source in your heart, the eternal. It reflects it. But you're distracted by the reflection and the reflection of the senses. So the ego is like a mirror that shines up into your head. Most of your senses are in the head. Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your ears. So what you're perceiving around you, what you're thinking about, is reflected in the me. So it feels like you are seeing, you are thinking, you are doing, you are making decisions. But who is this you? This is the fundamental question. Who is the you? Who is the me? What is ego? What is this name you call yourself? Is it real? Is it real? Really? What is it? It's this is the nature of self-inquiry. And the mantra is a vibration that 
focuses the mind naturally on the heart effortlessly and the core mantra is Om. And Om is made of three C letters A U M A U M A U M And if you sing that A U M it takes you right into the heart. Ah left side of the brain. Mm. Ooh, right side of the brain. Mm. Heart. Ah, ooh, mm. It's like a question mark. The movement, the movement of ah, ooh, mm, right? It's like a question mark that takes you into the heart. But the sound of Om, and this is just part of a mantra, the primal sound, also coincides with the three primary states of consciousness, awakening or waking state, dream state, and deep sleep. If you put them all together, Om is the Turiya state in the heart, and this is pure eternal consciousness alive in your heart. The practice of self-inquiry cuts through the me so that you can see through the illusion of reflective consciousness. It is a very powerful illusion. It feels very real. But self-inquiry with continuous practice, the mirror is seen to be an illusion. It falls down. It vanishes. And there is an opening of mind that is constant, unending realization with no me, right? So the Turiya state is in the heart, which is the sound Om. All the C letters together as one sound Om. The Gayatri Mantra, which is the one that Ramana referenced, but there were several mantras that were composed in devotion to the, the mountain, in devotion to Shiva, right? There's mantras sung at Ramana's ashram every morning, every evening and have been for when he was alive that went on because it's an essential part of seeing through the egoic identification this reflective consciousness which is infused with the genetics and senses of the body it affects a completely different part of the brain beyond thought om is the vibration of silence it is the sound of silence. And the mantras all are infused with profound, omniscient silence. But it affects, the sound affects a different aspect of your brain, which also serves to purify your attention and focus your attention on the source until there is no one to focus. This is why it's difficult, simple, but 
not easy to apply it. So I say forget about instant enlightenment. You can awaken in an instant. You can recognize, yes, this consciousness that's shining through my face. What is that? This consciousness is who you are, not the thoughts, not the past story, not the history, not the future. This consciousness that is always here and now, unaffected by anything in your life. This is pure happiness. And if you give your attention to your heart, just by using the, the mantra OM, fall into the heart. So the mantra is an inquiry into the heart silence beyond words. So it's instant awakening in lifetimes of evolutionary realization. lifetimes of evolutionary realization until that final stage, if you will, that final moment of liberation when you are cut free eternally from the material world of Maya, the grand illusion of life on earth and in the universe. A deep seeing that none of it is real. The only reality is your heart. Thank you so much for listening. This is Koshi, and I'll be talking to you again soon. Mm-hmm.